Hello and welcome to episode 125 of Pop Culturally Deprived, where each week we watch a movie I've never seen before, which is most of them, and talk about the good, the bad, and the squished balls. This week we're going to be talking about 13 going on 30 on your 30 flirty and thriving podcast. I'm Mandy Kay, and you can find 30-something me, flirty and thriving, on Twitter at Mandy Kay. And I'm Matt Matthew Bowes. This weekend, the car rental place have given me a car that has nine gears. Ten if you include reverse. So, I guess, follow me on Instagram, at Matthew V. Bowes, for pictures of the Surrey countryside streaking by. Please tell me that you were not taking pictures while you were driving. No, you can turn the camera on as you drive. Like, it's got this whole search for parking space thing and give you cameras. Oh. So, it, and then it like beeps when it finds parking spaces you can fit into next to you. Fancy. It's, it's ridiculous. It's the craziest thing. Okay. No one needs nine gears. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea of Mandy flirty and thriving on Twitter. <laughs> Mandy flirty on Twitter, like, hey, send me a picture of your bookshelves. Oh, I like it. How big's your Funko Pop collection? (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) Okay, so Matthew, this is Mm -hmm. actually a movie you've never seen. We're Mm -hmm. right in the middle of uh, reverse PCD. So why have you never seen 13 Going on 30? I don't know. It kind of just never seems to be around. We've had um, Katie Sheru said it had been on Netflix recently, but I'd utterly missed it. Um, it just, it, it has never ended up in front of me to watch it. Like, I always thought I would enjoy it. And this is the one, I think, of the whole month. I was like, oh, yes, that would be quite fun to watch. Um, yeah, it was a hard sell for me. But you kept saying, we need to watch this movie. We need to watch this movie. So we put it on the list. So it made me go and find it. Yeah, okay. All right, well, 13 Going on 30 is a 2004 magical romantic comedy starring Jennifer Garner and Mark Ruffalo. Don't laugh at my word choice there. Magical. It's magical. Uh, This was Garner's first lead movie role, and she was offered the part after winning a Golden Globe for Alias. The film received generally positive reviews from critics, with many praising Garner's performance and its nostalgic environment. It was also praised for its humorous plot and self-empowering message. It was a commercial success, earning $22 million in its first week and grossing over $96 million, becoming one of the year's biggest-selling DVD rental titles. And the soundtrack also charted inside the top 50 on the U.S. Billboard 200 chart. Garner's acting earned her nominations from both the MTV Movie Awards and the Teen Choice Awards. The Teen Choice Awards? Oh, yeah. Those are big. What are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, it's not Oscar-worthy or anything. No, I, I I think aren't the MTV Movie Awards the ones that also give away, like, best kiss, best fight, best villain? Yes. <laughs> to, like, MCU films. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I mean, I mean, yeah, no, they're proper serious. Hmm. <laughs> it's still an award, and it's not a Razzie. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Take what you can get. Matthew, why don't you tell everybody what this one's about? Jenna? is desperate to be a cool kid, but on her 13th birthday, heartache leads her to want to already be 30 and flirty. And thriving. And thriving. Magic then ensues. See, I told you it was magical. It is magical. (laughs) 
So how were you able to watch this if it wasn't on Netflix anymore? It's not anywhere ever. You never see it on DVD. It's never around. I found it on TV a few weeks back. It was on the channel Five Star, which is a channel I've never heard of. It appears to be SD only. <laughs> and and it was broadcast in two sections. So I've got two entries for it. One oh, that's wow. like an hour long, one that's 50 minutes long. Oh, no. <laughs> But you got to watch it, and that's all. But that I finally got it. But yeah, ridiculous. Um, how were you able to watch this? Is this available anywhere? I didn't actually look to see if it was available anywhere because I actually physically own a DVD copy of this one. Oh, I have yeah. no idea why. I can only assume that I probably picked it up in like the five dollar bin at Walmart at some point. But it's just always been on my shelf. <laughs> did, when did you first see this? God, it had to have been a decade ago. It was it probably feel- not much longer after it came out, you know, probably right. somewhere within, yeah, probably not too long after it came out. I know I didn't see it in theaters, but okay, I don't know. Because, like, our discussions of films that you were allowed to see and were interested in seeing, this does feel like it sits in that category. Yeah, I don't know why I wouldn't have watched it right away, because, I mean, it's a rom-com. Why wouldn't I go see it? But mm-hmm. Why I, just, not I don't know. <laughs> but I, I mean, I own it. So, hey, mm. you know. All right. So, Matthew, what was your experience before this of Jennifer Garner and our lead man, Mark Ruffalo? Um, Miss Garner, I watched Alias obsessively. I loved Alias two bits. I have obviously also seen her in a couple of her films. Th- I'm not 13 Go Around 30. That's this film. Um, Dude, where's my car? Which I unapologetically enjoy, although probably very problematic if I went back to it now. And she was in that. The she is, I think, one of the girlfriends. Well, I haven't seen it, so okay. And she was the lead in the film Electra, yes, as well as supporting in um, Ben Affleck's first superhero film, Daredevil. Hmm. <laughs> um. Mark Ruffalo is of the Hulk. Mm-hmm. Um. And has a history of portraying forgettable, earnest men in other things. So basically, this movie is Electra falling in love with the Incredible Hulk. Uh, yeah. No, because he's <laughs> you don't not like the that, Hulk. Do you? He is not the Hulk in this. I mean, Electra was bad. Daredevil has an extended edition that improves the film somewhat. Electra, however, was not good, oh, and I Jennifer Garner Electra. was not a good fit for that part. Um, Aww. In the same way as Gwyneth Paltrow being a fit for a superhero would not have worked. <laughs> Mark Ruffalo at this point, he, cause he was also in like a Reese Witherspoon, like Dead Like Me or something rom-com where she's a ghost and he moves into her apartment and they fall in love. Uh, just like heaven. That was Mark Ruffalo? That was Mark. Exactly. He is utterly forgettable. He brings, it's not that he brings nothing. He's just earnest. He's like, Oh, yeah, I'm kind of intelligent and I'm nice to people. That's it. <laughs> Nothing else about him. He's until also the he's co- the Hulk. Well, exactly, until he's the Hulk. He's also the cop around the same time. He's the cop in Collateral. I think possibly the Latino cop. <laughs> um, hunting down the bad guy in Collateral. I don't know what that is. Which which is a very good film, which we should watch. At some point, I'm sure we will end up doing a Tom Cruise month and Collateral will probably be in it. That's a Tom Cruise movie? That is. Huh. Okay. Interesting. Hmm. So this is basically rom-com month. So we've already talked about 
your experience with other rom-coms. So mm. let's, let's not talk about that again. Um, Matthew, did you enjoy 13 going on 30? I did. I think I expected to. So, you know, good. Right up until the end sequence. And I feel like they sort of, uh, and I'm going to really bore people with talking about like, you know, uh, films that change their style or don't quite know what style they're going for or don't quite hit the style they're going for because this film just utterly becomes a rom-com at the end and up to that it's got some really interesting stuff about learning as you grow up getting a second chance um dealing with you know you reap what you sow kind of things mm-hmm. and then it sort of drops that and becomes utterly about her and mark ruffalo in like the last 30 seconds yeah it, it, exactly the, the end of this film needs like 10 minutes of us seeing her going back through her life as she now grows up, but making the right choices. Yes. I really wish they had given us that. Yeah. We don't need to cut from her kissing young Mark Ruffalo to suddenly they're married and they have a dream house. Right. It, like, given how much of this has been about her, her independence, her, um, you know, making a success of herself and her career, we need to see her going through that again and perhaps either being successful in a different way, um, being as successful or even more successful, but because she's making the right choices, in inverted commas. You know what I would really like to see in a movie like this? Mm. I would like to see a movie that has the, like the, I guess it's not a body swap, but it's like, you know, the, the teenager becomes an adult, mm. learns the lesson. But I want the bulk of the movie to be once they switch back and we yeah. get to see the teenager grow up with the memories of having been an adult yeah, and making those choices. Like, I want that movie. Because wouldn't it have been interesting to see her actually rejecting the six chicks or even getting into the six chicks because she's making good choices and makes them good people? Right. And... Then she doesn't necessarily go into the magazine, but she becomes an actual journalist. Mm-hmm. Although, although, I mean, that's, again, one of the good things about the film. The film does not put down fashion and these magazines. It probably would have been very easy for them to write it as and, and deride the idea of these magazines and the idea of fashion. Again, in inver- you know, capitalized in inverted commas. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't. It treats it seriously. It does. Mm. Yeah. So... I enjoyed it up to that point, and then it was like, oh, good. The pinnacle of her life is she got married and got a house. Yeah. Well done, heteronormativity. <laughs> a very, very that, pink house. Yeah, he says there's a cisgender man who's married. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I don't think that we can talk about this movie without talking about the movie that it is very obviously emulating. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is really just, as you said in one of your tweets, I think, this is just a gender-bent version of Big that takes place, you know, 20 years later. Have you seen Big? I I have not in many, many years. Same. Mm. Same. Uh, We got a lot of folks who responded to this as it relates to the movie Big. That that's kind of the thing that everybody wanted to talk about. Mm. You know, and my only thought was, thank God we didn't get teenage mind and adult body sex, because Big yeah. totally went there. Hmm. And it's it's almost a shame that that has, over the years, become the thing that everyone talks about with Big. Mm-hmm. Like, Big, I remember, actually has some interesting stuff going on. It's got the piano scene, which is delightful. Tom Hanks gives a, you know, wonderful performance in it. Mm-hmm. But actually, yeah, the fact that this kid is 12, 13, he's about this age, isn't he? Mm-hmm. And, he's, and he sleeps with a grown woman. 
is just weird on every account of it. Yeah, I was looking, I was reading some stuff about it, and apparently there are some folks who think it's questionable, like that it was ambiguous enough that maybe he didn't, that, you know, maybe he just got to do like the second base stuff, and that was enough to make him all manly in the next scene, and I'm just like, no. No. no, There's no way. Yeah. That you can take it like that. The film doesn't want you to. The film wants it to be, because like we saw with um, Adventures in Babysitting, it's like, Men can sleep with any woman, and that's great, and it's, it makes them successful. Yeah. Women have to be as chaste as possible. Hmm. Ooh. <laughs> what? Yeah, I, I didn't think about it from that angle. Yeah, just the, the traditional puritanical views that get put yeah. on these things. And, yeah. and you know, I, I'm not sure even just applying the same values in both ways mm-hmm. would make it okay. There's kind of a middle ground, and I think this film does it very, very well. I, I think that pitching the age of Jenna at the beginning, the way they show her to be, she's on the cusp of being an adolescent. She, she's clearly going through puberty, hitting puberty, uh, and is about to have a, I'm going to use the phrase sexual awakening, sexual awareness, mm-hmm. but she's not quite there. It's just, it's so like, yeah, you know the next year is going to be important for her. And she wants to be part of the kids who seem cool, who are potentially a bit more mature. Right. Again, inverted commas. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of inverted commas in this recording. Um, it reminds me, there's a podcast called Breaking the Glass Slipper that talks about um, sort of feminist takes on fantasy and sci-fi and genre fiction. And they talked about Labyrinth in this exact same way. Like the age of the... Lady whose name I can't remember from Labyrinth. Sarah? The character? I the think. character? I think so. Okay. Her, the lead, our lead, our heroine. The fact that she is, she's past this point of going through puberty and everything, but she's on the cusp of actually getting into relationships and, and more physical representations of such. And that's what's important about her dealings and why it's sometimes creepy and sometimes grown up. And this, I think, does the same sort of thing, but back a few years, because when she becomes an adult and just the way she reacts to swearing, the way she reacts to references about drugs and sex and alcohol, it, it, it is childish in its, in its, the way it's given to us. And I think that makes it work really well in the way that Big doesn't. I can't remember that Big does anything. Big is just funny, like, oh, he's now drinking. Isn't that funny? Ha 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 ha. In this, she's just so like, I'll, I'll have a pina colada and not virgin. Like, she is aware of what these things are because she reads these magazines and right, is right. now ex- experimenting with it on her own choice. Do you want to see my ID? Because I totally have one. <laughs> yes, that's really <laughs> nice. It shows, you know, an awareness of needing an ID, but not how the world actually works. Right. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, no, she totally acts like an adult the way that a 13-year-old thinks adults act. Yeah. Like, she's not trying to just be 13. She is trying to be an adult. And it's adorable. Yeah. And, and the way, you know, she puts the umbrella up when his towel drops down. <laughs> and it's not, again, in a different way. It would just be, and he stands there gawking at the woman. She's actually like, oh, God, I'm not ready for this. This is actually too much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I It really does just picture perfectly as she's still just a child. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so uh, we did have many comments on Twitter kind of a, about this same conversation. And um, 
Anna at Anna McG, MCG. I don't remember how we decided to say that, but Anna underscore McG, that's how I'm going to do it. Do it. (laughs) Um, She said, there's something kind of gross and disturbing about adult actors playing children as adults and doing the teehee, but grownups do sex stuff content. It was creepy and big when I realized they actually had sex. I haven't seen 13 going on 30 recently to compare. Uh, so Katie at Katie Sheru responded, big is super creepy, although I didn't realize that when I first saw it. For me, 13 going on 30 is a bit less icky because the romance is between peers, sort of, whereas mm-hmm. big is definitely young boy and adult woman. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's a good way to differentiate because it is... Like we were just saying, she is trying to be an adult. Like at that point, she's, she kind of believes at that point she really is 30. She just like missed her life. Yep. You know, like they play it as if she is 30 and she's trying to live as 30. She's not trying to get back to 13. She's just like, okay, this is my life and this is who I am. How did I get here? Yeah. Which is a much better way to play it, I think. Well, so we also got a tweet from uh, Afrenke at I Do Human Things, who mm-hmm. said, ah, yes, the beautiful story of Mark Ruffalo falling in love with a teenage girl. And, and, and that's why I kind of laugh about the magic, because this isn't magic. This is amnesia. Yes. This, the, it, exactly like you're saying. It's not that, you know, Tom Hanks is suddenly now boy Tom Hanks, and then he's grown Tom Hanks. And this is small Jennifer Garner and big Jennifer Garner. These years happen. She was super crappy to Mark Ruffalo when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. And so he doesn't want anything to do with her. Right. And she's super crappy to everyone around her. And like I say, it's now reaping what she sows. Just something has happened to erase that period from her memory, which could be magic time travel shenanigans, timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly stuff. Yes. Um, <laughs> or or it could just be a virus in her brain and, you know, it's wiped out some time <laughs> after she took a year off in Africa or so. I don't know. Because um, it's not that he's falling in love with a teenage girl. She is fully grown and and is acting out as a, a woman at this point. Mm-hmm. And even better, he doesn't fall in love with her. The ultimate point of their story with, before she goes back is she he rejects her. Yes, he says he says no. All these things you have done, you cannot now fix them. Right, or you cannot fix them in this way because of how bad she was and how bad a character she seems to have had. And, and she I like accepts that. that. Yeah, I absolutely like that. Um, uh, particularly because I don't think the film gave us any reason not to like the fiance. Right. I think the fiance seemed quite nice. Uh, uh, I'm going to use the word pushy, confident, maybe, but not there's in a bad way. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah. There's no. There's, wrong with that. there's nothing about what she's saying that makes me go, "Oh, she's terrible. He shouldn't be with her." Right. It was just she's not Jennifer Garner, and obviously this movie wants Mark Ruffalo and Jennifer Garner to be together. Exactly. Except the movie is not actually about Mark Ruffalo and Jennifer Garner being together. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it was last week or the week before we talked about how one of the defining characteristics of a rom-com is that the central focus of the story is the relationship. Yep. And that's not what this movie is. Mm. Even though, like you said, it ends with that. Like, yeah. at the last second, it says, oh, yeah, we're supposed to be a rom-com, so we have to get <laughs> them together. But this movie is more of a coming-of-age kind of movie. Yeah. Like, it even has – it's it's like an after-school special. <laughs> it really okay. is. Because you get her having this defining moment as adult Jenna giving the presentation of, oh, we don't even know who any of these women are. 
let's just put real people in the magazine because we want to see people living their life, you know, and that's the message of the movie is let's live life the way we want to live and not try to aspire to be these people that we don't know who they are. And that's not a rom-com message. No. And, and it's a real shame because if the film was purely centered on her, which I think the film even wants to be, like the title implies it's all about her, the cover artwork, all of this kind of thing makes it seem like it is about this girl coming of age. Mm-hmm. But then the ending just goes, but her happiness is being married to Mark Ruffalo, which is a shame. Yeah. I, I Okay, so I'm going to say I don't know that that's specifically what the movie was trying to do. Okay. But I think that because we live in a world full of patriarchal bullshit, that's <laughs> what it does. I okay. think what the movie was trying to say was Jenna realized that the life that she lived based on the choices she had been making on the path that she was on gave her a life that was not what she wanted. And so because she experienced that, when she actually got to experience that life, she made different choices to get the life that she wanted. And that life included being married to Maddie. Yep. But that wasn't the end all be all. It's just this is a rom-com. So that's what we have to do. I think the point was she went back and made good choices to become the person she wanted to be. Absolutely. But patriarchal bullshit standards mean that's not what we actually get to see. Yeah. Yeah, I would have loved to have just seen more about her growing up and seeing her may- maybe even going into the fashion industry, but as a stylist or something. Yes. Like, Realizing, I want to see her yeah. going through high school and college and into a career using the knowledge that she had of how she could end up and making mm. choices saying, I don't want to be that person. So let me do these other things. Yeah. I, I will give the film a lot of credit because I was not sure until they reintroduced the house at the end. I was not sure if they were going to undo everything we were seeing. Mm. I, th- there was part of me that was feeling like they, they might end on a message of it's never too late to fix your mistakes. It's never too late oh, to, to do these things. Good. Yeah, exactly. And and that would have been a really strong message from all this. Um, yeah. But just the, like, I can accept the friend taking her idea and taking over the magazine she was going to take over. Because like I say, there is a, a strong message in here that's very well done of you reap what you sow. And she had sown those seeds. Up until the point she goes to Matty and he rejects her and is and is getting married. If he'd rejected her, but he wasn't getting married, I could have seen them not undoing it. But at that point, it's like, I don't know, this film wants them to be together. So it's now going to do some shenanigans. Yeah. But I would I would have quite liked seeing something at the end of, of her, you know, I'm going to start my own magazine. I'm going to start a blog. Ooh, yeah, 2004, that would have been perfect. Exactly. Huh. Ah. Matthew, you need to write movies. Well, that's us fixing the film, isn't it? Um, (laughs) But but there is, like I say, everything up to that point, I really enjoyed. I thought it did it really well. Mm -hmm. Almost to the extent I can't really pick anything out to say like, oh, I loved X, Y, or Z, this line, this moment, this scene. It was just pretty delightful and well written and well performed yes this this is a solid film good we'll speak to you next week on (laughs) (laughs) okay but you have to pick out a few things the 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 one and i am very clearly not alone about this uh, and we've touched on it a little bit but jennifer garner Mm -hmm. 
I mean, her portrayal is incredible. Like I say, the way she performs as a 13-year-old, who is now 30, it, it works. Every element of it. There is no point where I go, oh, no, she wouldn't do that, where, where it doesn't quite fit right for me. Mm-hmm. Jennifer Garner is really good at that. And, and she's really good at the range of things. This is one of the great things about Alias. She gets to do absolutely every aspect of her performance. And she, she, what she's bringing to this is just pure pop happiness. <laughs> Um, I watched uh, on YouTube, there's a behind the scenes kind of 15, 20 minute documentary about this movie. Mm-hmm. And Jennifer Garner was talking about how when she was up for it, the, the entire alias cast was very supportive of her doing this movie because they basically said, yeah, you do all this serious stuff. But as soon as the cameras turn off, you're basically 13. So you should do this movie. <laughs> and she said that when she went back and like watched the movie, that she had never seen herself smile so much. Oh, good. Which I thought was pretty great. And then nice. um, Mark Ruffalo had this great line about her because this was her first leading role in a mm. movie. And Mark said, she's just an unbridled movie star just waiting to blast off into the world. Yeah. Which is so lovely. Yeah, he is bang on there. And, and the comments we got from other people, um, our friend Carrie at We Do Words. I really enjoyed Jennifer Garner in this role. She seems to access inner awkward teenager pretty well, if I recall. And it also reminded me how much I like Mark Ruffalo in a rom-com. Krista mm-hmm. Marie at She Thinks 23 loved both when we were talking about Big. But 13 Going on 30 wins solely for my Jennifer Garner love. The soundtrack is amazing too. Mm-hmm. And Laura at Laura underscore S. Berry. A lot of the charm of this film for me is Jennifer Garner. Have loved her since Alias, and she for me she's the perfect leading lady. Yes, and, and yeah, she's just wonderful. <laughs> I, I think she she has to carry a lot of the film. Obviously, it's absolutely focused on her, but she pulls off the sort of comedic moments, things like the umbrella, things like asking, you know, saying I have an ID. And the way she delivers them, she delivers the heartbreak where she's going back to her parents. And you can see, mm. she. oh, what's that bit where it's all a bit much of her? And she's like, I need a fluffy pillow. Yeah, And, and you, you can see that she just needs to sort of wrap up and be cosy and be protected. And it, again, in a very small childlike kind of way. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's great. It, yeah. yeah it, it, the film is centered on her and justifiably she carries it well. Yeah. You know, one of these days I'm going to have to finish watching Alias. How far into it did you get? Um, I think I've seen like the first two seasons and I've seen the very last episode. <laughs> Which is so bonkers compared to everything before it. So you're fine. <laughs> um, we watched the first, because Catherine's never seen it. We watched the first season a while ago and we've, we've not returned to it, but that, that could be an interesting one to talk about at some point. I might have to it, start it is watching a, that again. It yeah. was on Netflix. I don't know if it's still there. It, it Yeah. Wonderful show. Um, Laura went and rewatched this. She had said to me a while back, this is one of her favorite films. So I was like, right, you need to tell me some thoughts. Why is this so good for you? Where mm-hmm. I watch it and go, yes, it's really good, but, oh, you know, there's things in it. It's kind of everything that we have said, but I can, I can see just how much, um, Laura responded to it. And I can see how much someone would enjoy it. I, I think it's this idea of being able to start over, not just the whole age thing and her changing her future, even the starting over with the redesign. I'm a sucker for a montage, and this has plenty of them. It has a fashion montage, it has a falling in love montage. (laughs) And I do hope that Jenna's do-over life also includes a kick-ass, though less evil career. And it's not just all husband and house, though. Yes. I I choose to believe that that's true. Absolutely. Everything that she wanted is what she gets. Yeah. I I think this is a a film made to delight Laura, and clearly it works. Yes. (laughs) 
But there, but there's lots of other people who just love bits of it. Like like I said, the people who pointed out the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. CC at Messy Friend Seventy just wants to comment about that thriller scene. Worth it for the whole movie and so of the time. Love love love. Always watch it when I can catch it. Mark Ruffalo almost did not do this movie because of that scene. Oh really? He was so terrified to get up there and do those dance moves. Oh interesting. Because yeah, he's he's not someone I think of as being choreographed. <laughs> yeah yeah aesthetically so, able yeah I, I, he said that uh that scene where she was actually pulling matt onto the the floor to do it like he was like she was really actually pulling me because he did not want to do it <laughs> but but then on the flip side you get andy circus coming in and if you have people that you know know how to move and pull off a dance you know he must be a wonder to dance with Andy circus was just a delight in this i had completely yeah. forgotten he was in this and this is a character that's very unlike anything that I've really seen him do. Mm-hmm. It was wonderful. Oh, interesting. No, yeah, the, he's done a few a bit like this. Um, in The Prestige, he's not too dissimilar. I don't uh, remember him in The Prestige, but I saw The Prestige before I really knew who Andy Serkis was. So Okay. He was an absolute surprise coming on the screen, and then just so much fun anytime he was there. And they, they didn't overuse him, and they didn't go to the place I kind of expected they might. Like, there was an implication he was going to be a terrible boss, sleazy, not a nice guy, all this kind of thing. But actually, I think they were almost trying to channel him as as incredibly camp and gay. Yes. But even that didn't come over so much. Yeah, so they had to put the line in where, mm. you know, Jenna was like, are you gay? Yeah. And then he just laughed, you know, and it... Really, he laughed as if, obviously, you should know this. But, like, I think at that point, the audience wasn't quite sure like it but it just didn't matter i i wouldn't have read him as gay if i'm honest uh, up until that point it just like i say i i think he, it had come across almost slightly more as sleazy the way he was kind of fawning mm. over the women mm-hmm. but they also didn't go to a place of let's make him caricature bright colors you know camp queen type right yeah which i appreciate the the film did a lot of good work in the way it portrayed some of the diversity and some of the cast i don't i i see i'm measuring my words there because i can't remember if it did male gazy stuff and i feel like it might have done i don't think so okay if it did i didn't pick up on it right so mm. the, the, there was one thing that stood out to me a little bit about the whole kind of 13 flirty and thriving thing is it was very deep in the sex and city vibe it, it yes. felt like I could have been watching characters from that show, not having seen much of that show, but knowing it. Um, the, the going out, the drinking cocktails. And, and this was certainly being made as Sex and City, the series was finishing. Mm-hmm. And I almost wonder if the, the people who made this just at the time, there was no other way to picture success and doing well for a woman in the city. Other than the closet, the shoes, the bags, the, you know, the style, all that kind of thing. Right. I mean, they didn't have to set this in New York City. No, that is very true. But setting it in New York City means you can't help. I can't help but wonder, did they do it on purpose? You sound like you're quoting something. I don't know what. Yeah, that was quoting Sex in the City. Oh, okay. <laughs> ah, of course. Every episode has Carrie doing a voiceover where she's writing her her article and it always Mm. ends with, I can't help but wonder, did blah, 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 blah. 
Oh, really? Is that like a catchphrase from the, from the show? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I've not seen it enough to pick up on that, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah. See, one, so. one day I should go back and watch that. Oh, it's so good. I love it. I mean, season one's kind of terrible, but the rest of it I do love. Okay. Um, but it, well, an interesting comparison, though, is one of the things people talk about with Sex in the City a lot is if you break it down realistically, like there's no way that Carrie should have been able to afford her apartment, her clothes, yeah. any of those things. And the same thing is true of this. So Entertainment Weekly actually broke down how much it would cost real life Jenna and Matt to live the way they did in this movie. And Jenna's apartment would be like $5 million or $10,000 a month for rent. And Matt's apartment would be like $5,000 a month. So you're saying there's things of this film that aren't realistic? Yes, that's exactly ah, what I'm interesting. <laughs> the magic and like the flash forward in time, totally realistic. Living in the apartment, not at all. Now, now hers, I could believe. His was a very nice apartment for a photographer, but, you know, maybe he's published a book or done something very well. Yeah. Hers, I could believe. She's probably on a six-figure salary. Oh, probably, yeah. Like, at least. Yeah, that's fair. And, you know, looking at where they certainly, yeah, know where they both grew up, they come from money. That's the, you know, Home Alone Street-style giant houses. Oh, yeah, those houses were huge. So, no student loans. Parents help them get apartments. All right, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Do you have things in this that were a favorite? And I did have to twist your arm a little bit to get this, but you do own it. Is there stuff I in do. this that particularly appeals, or is it just the nice rom-com-ness of it? No, it was actually really delightful and fun to watch. I was surprised uh, re-watching it how much I enjoyed it. Um, but I have to say, I really enjoyed Judy Greer's performance. Mm. Um, this is the second movie in a row that we've had Judy Greer being the kind of sidekick slash friend frenemy. Mm. And her comedic timing is just wonderful. When we first see her, it's right after Jenna's run out of uh, her apartment <laughs> in her nightgown, I guess, whatever, yeah. getting away from grown-up Jenna's boyfriend. And she's in the car with uh, Lucy, and she goes, I slept in an apartment I've never seen before, and there was a naked man in my shower, and I... So his thingy. Oh, God, not his thingy. And Judy Greer just goes, oh, God, not his thingy. <laughs> and it's so deadpan and sarcastic, and it's yeah. just wonderful. I love it. Like, Judy Greer is, she just does that character so, so well. Yeah. And then uh, in the thriller scene, actually, right before the thriller scene, I guess the party scene, um, Jennifer Garner has this line, and it's such a 13-year-old thing to say, and she just goes, you know what? You are rude and mean and sloppy and frizzy. I don't like you at all. <laughs> and it's just delightful. It's so cute. Jennifer Garner is cute. Mm. Yeah. She just channels it absolutely perfectly. It's really good. Yeah, she's so she's so bright and chipper. Mm. It's great. And the so am I right in thinking that was to the uh lady from the other magazine? Yes. Yeah. Who is the girl who parties on the roof in Independence Day. Yes. Yeah. That's she her. She crops up in things every so often. It's like, oh, it's her. She got some yeah. other stuff. Good on her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, overall, it was just, it was a fun, fun movie to yeah, watch. I enjoyed the it experience. Is, absolutely. So is there anything else we need to discuss about 13 going on 30? Did you happen to notice that this is basically like a Marvel origin story? 
<laughs> I mean, there are so many actors in this who went on to be in Marvel projects. Mm. And I think it's funny because initially in our notes, I said five and you followed up was like, uh, no, excuse me, there's six. And then I looked again and it turns out there's actually seven. Oh, really? Seven people in this movie have done Marvel projects. Wow. And I did only know it was six because Laura, in her notes to me, to it, mentioned that um, Wendy mm-hmm. is the girlfriend from the Wolverine Origins movie. Yes. Which I so. have erased from my mind. So... <laughs> Yep. So I was shocked. So I Mm. knew Jennifer Garner, Mark Ruffalo, Judy Greer, and Andy Serkis. Like, those are the big ones because they're all... I mean, Jennifer Garner doing Elektra. Elektra is not like MCU, but it's still a standalone Marvel movie from years ago. Mm -hmm. And then Mark Ruffalo, Judy Greer, and Andy Serkis have all been in, like, the MCU proper from recent memory, right? And then I saw somebody said Brie Larson was in 13 going on 30. And I was like, what? Yeah, so first time, uh, at first time Trek on Twitter, like as soon as I said I was watching this, she went, uh, did you spot Brie Larson? <laughs> like, yeah, wow, I didn't. Brie Larson's in this. <laughs> I had to go look look it up and see, and she was one of the six chicks, mm. which is which, fantastic. I, I mean, there's a, I think there's a few things like this that she's in, and she has clearly been in and around Hollywood in general mm-hmm. for a long time, sort of just earning a living, and I'm here for the success she's had since doing Room. She is very good at what she does, so. She is, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so the last one, the one that neither of us picked up on at all, um, Sean Marquette, who played young Matt. Okay. He was the voice of Spider-Man in the 2005 video game, Ultimate Spider-Man. Oh, nice. <laughs> so everybody in this movie has ties to Marvel, which is pretty great. Which, you know, given the number of films they've now done. Yep. <laughs> I mean, everybody's in Marvel now, right? Yeah. I mean, half of them are from, have been in episodes of Grace, so that's the other big one. Fair enough. Yeah. You know, have we seen Andy Serkis in Grace? I don't think so, but we really should. <laughs> Probably like Mo Captain Gurney or something at some point. <laughs> um, if you'd also like to join in on the conversation, you can use the hashtag PCDeprived on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, and on Instagram at Eloquent Gushing. And you can email us, podcast at Eloquent Gushing. And if you want to talk to us, because we love to hear from everyone, you can leave a voice message. You can go to speakpipe.com slash Eloquent Gushing. And we are also 100% funded by listeners just like you through our Patreon page. So any amount that you can give, even just $1 a month, will give you access to exclusive content and also helps to support our network, helps us do this show. It helps us develop new shows. So if you want to find out more, you can visit patreon.com slash eloquentgushing. And we'll be back next week with another episode where we will talk about Twilight, the movie, not the book. Until next time, I'm Andy Kay. And okay, you can wipe the doe-eyed Bambi watching her mother get shot and strapped to the back of a van look from your face. <laughs> <laughs>